Hey, welcome to Boss Up or Lose Outs podcast. I'm your host, Erica Simpson, and I have Miss Tawana Burris here with me today. Hi, Tawana. Hi, Erica. How are you doing? Good, Good. evening. <laughs> I'm so mm-hmm. glad you are able to come on and share a wealth of your knowledge with us today. Absolutely. So, tell us, who is Tawana and the Burris Legal Group? Well, I am the owner, a managing attorney of the Burris Legal Group. Um, we actually started in uh, 2009. I'm a former prosecutor, actually left the prosecutor's office in 2006. And at that time, uh, opened up a law firm called Burris and Sample. And then um, basically, I branched off from Burris and Sample and started the Burris Legal Group. Um, we actually serve clients in the area of criminal defense because criminal defense comes quite natural to myself as a former prosecutor. Um, I had the opportunity to learn prosecution, try numerous cases, starting with DUI all the way up to attempted murder cases. And so, again, um, criminal defense, I serve my clients in the area of criminal defense, making sure that their constitutional rights are protected, as well as workers' compensation, where I represent uh, claimants. Um, anytime you have a body part that's injured, our South Carolina Workers' Compensation Act provides that every body part is worth something. Every body part has a value. So given that if your arm functions 100% and you have an injury and it's only functioning 75%, now you have a 25% injury. And so that number is plugged into a formula. And in addition to workers' compensation, I serve clients in personal injury in the area of anywhere from automobile accidents uh, to dog bites. Um, I have also done some medical malpractice cases, as well as serving clients um, in power with uh, by drafting power of attorney. So I enjoy it. Um, I tell people I enjoy practicing law. It's something that comes quite natural. I enjoy being a trial lawyer specifically. You have your different areas of the law. You have your contract lawyers. You have your transactional attorneys. And then you have your trial lawyers. And so I started my career as a trial lawyer and training and learning and presenting cases before juries. And so that's just who I am. It's it's part of my DNA. And it comes quite natural. Oh, so Tawana, tell us, how did you, you know, get the courage? Because I know a lot of people when they trial attorney, you know, it's pretty much a secure, safe job where you got full benefits, you work in either for the state or the federal government, and to go out here and become a entrepreneur mm-hmm. as well as, you know, running your professional as a legal mm-hmm. advocate, mm-hmm. how did you get the courage to do So, that? in starting in 2003 at the York County Solicitor's Office as an assistant solicitor, depending on the jurisdiction in which you're in. Um, you, they're called DAs, district attorneys in North Carolina and South Carolina. They're called assistant solicitors or prosecutors. I started off as a DUI prosecutor. Um, I really enjoyed it. And not just that, um, I think that at that particular time, uh, my supervisor or my the head prosecutor recognized that I had a natural talent or gifting. And so I went from DUI and then I started trying what we call DEF cases and then um, went from DEF to drug cases. And then I also tried what we call ABC crimes, which that's the highest 
of the charges that you try at the solicitor's office. Well, after spending about three and a half years at the York County Prosecutor's Office, because prior to that, I actually worked for a uh, circuit court judge and I saw a lot of attorneys trying cases. And so, of course, quite naturally coming out of law school, you don't know exactly which, you know, practice area you desire to engage in. But I, when I went to Ohio State University College of Law, I had the opportunity to work for the federal government. I worked employer side. I worked for the attorney general's office. I also worked employer side. And so having those opportunities and exposures, um, it, it gave me an opportunity to see lawyers, the do's and the don'ts of what to do and engage in the practice of law. And so um, after about three and a half years at the York County Solicitor's Office, um, I decided to pursue what I believe was my passion or is my passion. And that's serving. That's serving clients wholeheartedly. And so jumping out um, or actually starting my own business was all about pursuing my passion. Do what comes natural. Pursue my passion and I'll never work a job a day in my life and pursue my passion and the money followed. And so because when I started the business in 2000, I left Solicitor's Office in 2006. Again, you know, I started, I opened up the business, of course, quite naturally, when you first open up a business, you end up, you know, sort of being your do-all, be-all person where, you know, initially for the first probably one or two weeks, you know, I was a secretary, um, I was the paralegal, and I was the attorney. Well, the, soon, the business soon just began to grow and to expand. And um, I remember some of my first cases. Um, I believe in when you first start a business, your goal should be to be uh, to serve clients, um, to be results oriented, um, helping to propose various solutions to clients. And most important, I think, is a very, very vital, very important characteristic is you have to be a great communicator. In order to help to grow a business and to expand in your business and to grow in your gifting, you have to know how to communicate to people. You have to know how to, especially in my field in the practice of law, you have to know how to explain the law when you're presenting various options. Um, we, when I dissolved the Burris and Sample Law Firm, which is where we initially started, and then I started the Burris Legal Group in 2009, uh, the business then continued to grow. Um, we are a business downtown Rock Hill. Uh, we have made sure that we got the essential parts around us. I think it was very important that as I progressed over the years to make sure that I had an accountant, to make sure that I had a professional person doing my marketing and branding, to make sure that I have a, um, someone who does my retirement. He's my financial planner. And so it's very important that I get those core components around me to ensure that I can actually focus on, I now have an office manager so that I can focus on practicing law because actually growing a business also includes making sure that you have the essential components around you in regards to allowing you to actually educate and to actually do what you do best, which me, I enjoy practicing law. So what I you know, in the expansion of the business, growing the business over the years, I also focused on making sure that I had the right team around me so that 
I can focus on what I enjoy doing best, which is actually practicing law. We have been in existence, initially started off again uh, as the Burris and, Sam- Burris and Sample from 2006 to 2009. And then from 2009 to present, it is the Burris Legal Group. So we have been in existence for 11 years as the Burris Legal Group. But again, I was in the uh, call. I was the Burris and Sample from 2006 to 2009. And so that's how I started. I started off with a partner. Uh, my partner um, and I decided that it was best that we open up our own individual law firms. And uh, we had what we call, I consider to be an amicable uh, dissolution. It was very pleasant. Um, but I think we had two different visions. And so it's very important that if you have two persons and they're in partnership, you have to have the same vision or a shared vision. Because if you have double visions, then typically it will not work. And so because I am a visionary and because I did foresee expansion in the business and I did foresee long term, it was just best that we uh, start or initiate the Burris Legal Group. And that's what we've done. And we've been in existence again for about 11 years. Oh, that is so awesome because usually a lot of businesses fail within the first five years. have knocked off uh, all of those barriers and obstacles as mm-hmm. far as people being in business. So that mm-hmm. is an a true accomplishment within itself. And then you start back in 2009, kind of like when the recession was hitting mm-hmm. and, you know, surviving all of that and transitioning and being successful no matter what. Yes, exactly. And you will have obstacles. For example, currently now, the current um, COVID-19 pandemic, you know, our business, the Burris Legal Group, is able to survive and keep the doors open. When I say specifically keep the doors open, I'm not talking about actually giving the public access because I think it's very important that you keep your employees protected. Our doors are currently closed to the public, even though we will, uh, in about a week or two, I believe it's the week of May 4th, we will open our doors to the public, but of course still exercise precautionary measures and making sure that we keep everyone protected, including the clients and potential clients. So we have been sustainable and we have been sustainable because starting once we branched off out of Burris and Sample in 2009, the Burris Legal Group, we began to build our foundation and making sure that, again, we had the core components in place um, because I, you know, I practice criminal defense, um, but I also practice workers' compensation and personal injury. And so being able to build a practice, it's very important that you build a business. A lot of times, you know, people who have a vision for actually starting their business, you know, they, they have short-term goals, but they do not establish long-term goals. And so when you establish your long-term goals and as you progress, the vision, even though the vision is single, okay, um, still the expansion of the business and making sure that you have the core components, you should be doing something different and something better every year. Whether it's making sure that you, I always tell people, if you have the wrong person on your team, it's just like changing a flat tire. You need to change the flat tire because the car can't actually go forward if you have a flat tire. Or if it does go forward, it's going forward slower. And so um, I've been able to, uh, again, put the right people, you know, in place, um, making sure that I also have people. Sometimes the challenge with me um, as a leader and as the owner of the Burris Legal Group is to um, I want everybody around me to be leaders. 
I, I enjoy leaders. I enjoy empowering. I enjoy um, communicating and educating individuals so that they are also equipped to fly. I do not believe in boxing anyone in because I don't like to be boxed in. And so, um, you know, I believe in empowering people. But the problem sometimes is looking at that person as if you are looking in the mirror and that person does not want to spread his or her wings. That person doesn't want to be a leader. I think a great leader also makes a great follower. But sometimes I, my challenge, um, I, I think in this area sometimes is looking at other individuals and desiring for them to be as great of a leader as, you know, other people consider myself. I'll just say in humility, other people consider myself to be. And so sometimes just wanting to take so much more time to build others around me is presents somewhat of a challenge because sometimes people just don't want more than what they can see in the natural, you know, presently, as opposed to wanting something long-term. So. I can tell you live by the Steve Jobs motto, hire people that are smarter than you in certain areas to, you know, expand who you are as a person. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. To make sure that you hire in the areas in which you may not necessarily be strong in. If you are weak in HR, you hire someone who's stronger in HR. If you are, for example, weak in using uh, technology, then you hire someone who's stronger than yourself. And so there's a saying that says, you know, you can you can only go as far as your team, you know, or those whom are help holding your wings up. You can only go as far. So if you have individuals on your team whom are not strong, always looking at you for all the answers, then most likely you're you have the wrong group around you or you have the wrong team in your, you know, personal space as you continue to build. And I think a lot of times with small businesses, um, people tend to hire people that they know or they're friends with or they have a personal relationship with, even family, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to separate the two. Right. I, I would say that you, when you hire as an employer, that individual in which you hire to be a part of your team or part of your business as the employee, that person is not your friend. There's a single vision. There are mission objectives. There are goals. That person's job and primary responsibility is to help you meet those goals, whether they're long-term or short-term. And you cannot become friends with your employees and even if you become friends with that individual you have to establish boundaries and if you do not establish boundaries there there it gives it an opportunity or there becomes an opportunity that disrespect creeps in and so i think that even if you are friends with that individual you still have to establish boundaries because you have to remember that the business owner and the leader is the one with the vision. So they met the individuals around you, if they're family or friends, they, it, it's a comfort zone. It becomes very comfortable for them. It's called, um, there, there's a word or a terminology they call it, and it's very similar to just saying, oh, well, this person's very familiar. So when you have um, what I call the spirit of familiarity, then sometimes employees if they fall in the category oh this is my friend or this is my family member they're so familiar with you then they tend to disrespect and then they lose respect for the vision and so it then weakens the core component of your vision 
I totally agree with that. And like you said, then it comes at a place of content. Yes, yes, and yes. There's no expanding or growth happening. Right, exactly. Because they're comfortable and they're in your, and, and you're very comfortable with them and they're very comfortable with you. And so they are complacent. And in their complacency, then you're not able to grow because the person next to you is so familiar with you that they're no longer respecting your values and your mission objectives. And I think that's very important. So that's why you have employers, you know, who are the business, the visionary leaders, and then you have employees who basically their primary job and team objectives is to help establish and to help accomplish the short-term and long-term goals. Right. And then, and I don't know if you've read this book or you're familiar with this book, Rocket Fuel. No, I have not. And, and it's very much outlines, you know, you have the visionary, which is the owner, which is yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you have the integrators. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they actually execute and make the business happen. And within that book, they talk about Walt Disney. Walt Disney made all the magic, Mm -hmm. but his brother was the integrator Ah. and he fulfilled everything behind the scenes. Ah. And so when you were talking about transitioning from your partner, Mm -hmm. because the two visions weren't the same, but at the same time, you're using your employees as your integrators Mm -hmm. because you are the visionary, Mm -hmm. which has the bigger picture in mind. Mm -hmm for the way the operation is supposed to be, what direction it's going in. And then you have your executors. And like you said, you don't have time to build up your weaknesses. You need to be doing the things that you love. So that way you can excel in those areas. And then those people that are there that you've hired to be your integrators are doing your weak areas where they, where that may be their strength so that they can excel that part. That's exactly right. I think part of building a, a business is uh, what I call professional development and also being sometime a part of, you know, community initiatives. Um, and so that that's what I enjoy doing. And that requires me sometimes being out of the office, serving on boards, being able to use my skill set as an attorney to be able to make a difference you know, um, in the community, um, with the community initiatives, with the various projects that's going on. For example, you know, even in regards to the uh, Small Business Association, being able to educate the community on what money is being funneled down from the federal government. And so in order for a business to run, in order to continue to build the business, there's always another level. And I think part of that is helping with professional development. It's very interesting that you indicated Walt Disney because in going to uh, let's say for example Disney World in Orlando, if you notice a a lot of the things that take place underground is actually um, they do the costume making underground. There's a different world underground in Disney World. So there's the world that they allow the customers to see as you walk through the gate, but there's also a world going on underground. And that's where all of the action takes place. That's where all of the work takes place before they actually come out for the parade or before they present themselves, you know, at the castle. And so there you have to have integrators. You have to have those who are actually, you know, um, 
within the pipeline, doing the work, understanding there's one single vision, you know, and, and knowing the audience, knowing who the clients are, knowing who they're going to serve or who the customers, who the customers are and who they're here to serve. You have to have. And again, so then the brother is a leader. He in, in and of himself where he may not be necessarily Walt Disney himself, his brother is still a leader because he's still able to build what I call it sort of an underground because there are a lot, there's lots of activities that take place in the underground at Walt Disney. Right. And so that book, it also actually, you know, it's good when you're hiring people to work for you so they can understand mm-hmm. the mission and the mm-hmm. goal and they understand their role. And also it gives like little quizzes to tell if the person is more on the visionary mm-hmm. side or if they are more on the integration side. So that way the roles are clearly defined. And I, and I know you were saying about, you know, with the small business administration, you know, federal government mm-hmm, funding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that, and I was, my next question was, how have you leveraged your relationships with others to make you successful? Mm-hmm. But I've seen how you have taken the bull by the horns and, you know, presented with these Zoom calls and got immediately in and got, representatives like um, Mr. Norman, Mm -hmm. different people in their positions to bring the information back to small business owners, which has nothing to do basically with your law Mm -hmm. firm, but you're doing that as a community. Right. And I think it's going back to just applying the skill set, that which comes quite natural to me. So when I reached out to Congressman Norman's office, Um, His office was very willing to share with me the bills that were being proposed into law. And so um, the whole process, even in going through law school, and also I um, was in the business school at the Ohio State University uh, College of Law. And so I studied also public policy and management. And so it sort of helped me to understand the role of the SBA, so the Small Business uh, Administration, And it helped me to understand their role in the whole funneling of money from the federal government. I understand that when a bill, you have the congressman, the House of Representatives there in Washington, D.C., and they're working on proposing a bill and they're changing the language and they're striking through the language. And then eventually that bill becomes law upon the signing from the president. And so in knowing that, to me, that is that's a skill set that comes from being a lawyer and understanding understanding that if you just read the bill or read the law or to me legislative intent and then reading everything and being able to clearly comprehend everything for me it's easy to educate and to teach others I think I'm an educator by nature um I I always say that three people um have these things in common you have teachers preachers and trial lawyers they're all in the same category because they are the best teachers they are the best instructors just like yourself you are a former educator so that's why you're so skilled and gifted in your multiple businesses because you understand how to teach and to reach people that's very that's and that's a skill set that's a gifting not a lot of people can say that because you can be an excellent lawyer but you don't know how to cross the lines to teach 
because not everybody can understand or comprehend. So you have to be able to explain and to teach in layman's term. You have to be able to talk to the common, ordinary man. You know, you have to be able to talk to the extraordinary businessman. But because you understand that particular profession and that area, and because you have a background and an expertise as a teacher, it's easy to communicate information. And so I actually found that, you know, in addition to currently, we're open, we're open, we're still negotiating with insurance companies, even though I'm closed to the public because I, I um, practice workers' compensation and personal injury, we are still running, the machine is still running. And so the machine requires all the workers, the machine requires the engine, and the owner is the engine, because if the owner's not there, then it cannot continue to run. And so um, it's just being able to take a step back to read, to reach out to the congressman's office so that I could get the updated, you know, uh, bill, what was being done, because things were changing in Washington, D.C. from minute to minute to minute. So I was in contact with um, Congressman Norman's office, Clyburn's office. I was in contact with a couple of the U.S. representatives here in the various districts because I wanted to know what was going on so that I could further educate the people and be an expansion of these individual offices. I took that upon myself. I think that's just part of me giving back to the community because why I could read a bill and comprehend what was going on with the bill and legislative intent because that's very important because you have to be able to understand the terminology. I think sometimes people lose out because they don't understand. They can't comprehend. And so you would have had, I would, I would hope that my stepping up and doing this community service and reaching out to the community to share and to educate the information that it did make a difference in the lives of some of the small business owners. Because um, again, you know, if you don't understand, sometimes people will shy away from what they do not understand. And so sometimes if you shy away, then your business is sort of left behind the masses because you cannot comprehend what's going on. And then sometimes maybe too prideful to even say, I'm a business owner, but I do not know. And I'm afraid to let someone know that I do not know and I do not understand. I do not know how to get started. You know, I don't want to call and tell this person, but that's the only way you grow is you stay in front of someone who knows more than what you may know and who also knows how to comprehend what's going on and what's funneling down from Washington, D.C. in regards to the bills becoming laws. Yes, and I think that now with this pandemic, if people haven't realized that, that are in small businesses mm -hmm. right now, I think that they'll right, never right. get it. Exactly. Because, I mean, yeah, as a I business mean, owner, you have to know, you have to be in the know. And I, I have found so many, if you're not in it, then it's hard sometimes to explain to other people, I'm in it. I'm a small business owner. So I'm going to read every single, you know, bill that's coming down from Washington, D.C., you know, to know exactly how does that apply to myself and my community. You know, you have numerous small businesses and, and they make up a very huge population of the community. And so the, the community and the community's economy is my economy. And so what do I do? I want to help and to reach out and to teach. And so, again, that's just what quite naturally comes. That's what comes natural to me, you know, as a lawyer, educator and a trial attorney. Again, preachers, educators, and trial attorneys are all, they have the same core talent. Right. And, I, and, and I'm going to not hold you much longer, but I want to ask this last question. A lot of people say, 
if you could tell your 20 year old self something what would it be but my question to you is if you could tell your first year in business self anything what would that stop be? expecting everyone to be like yourself my first i was wound my first year in business i was wound so tight very tight um and i would just say that my patience probably grew very very thin with many of my employees simply because i expected them to be me and not necessarily expecting them to be a lawyer or expecting them to be um to have as great of a compassion as myself but i wanted them to um feel the sense of urgency and client service like me i wanted them to understand that client service is number one and um that's how i see it and when i see that individual you know i want to help that individual as in client and so when you look around and in my first year of business I wanted everybody around me to think like me and to be like me. And that's not, while I did actually get some paralegals who actually, you know, you really could not tell if you were talking to me or the paralegal just because they were so sharp. And I will have to say that those paralegals have gone on um, to schools, um, Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, and they're now lawyers. And they have written me thank you cards and thank you letters because they said that I was a great teacher you know, and one of them, I know specifically she's from Hollywood, South Carolina. And Catherine came in, said she wanted to be a patent lawyer. Um, but now Kathy, uh, Catherine is currently a federal public defender. She is doing a great job. She sent me a card not too long ago just to say thank you. And um, thank you for all that you taught me. And she took the job very serious. And I know that that was something that she had to learn. She already came in with compassion. She was a Winthrop student, a graduate of uh, Winthrop University, and had a lot of compassion, but she was very serious. She knew she had a goal. I knew she had a goal. I knew that she desired to be a lawyer, but it was a patent lawyer. So I know that I made a great impact upon her because um, her, she has, she is currently serving in the area um, a federal as a federal public defender up north so very excited about that I always like to see one of my other um, paralegals uh, she's currently a judge and um, she has also called to thank me and said um, oftentimes people tell her that she has very similar characteristics and she and I um, you know, are very, very similar. And uh, I don't know if it's just her demeanor, but I appreciate seeing people grow. But everybody that is around you does not mean that they are just as receptive to growing. And so I would say me and my first year of business, um, I spent so much time trying to make sure that, that individuals around me as an employees understood the vision and could see the vision and had just as much drive and compassion and was wasting time because you cannot make people um, see the vision. You cannot make people be as compassionate. They, they either are or they are not. Some people I don't, in my office, I do not hire giggers. That's what I called it. And CNN was just recently talking about that. CNN said that we have now what we call a gig economy. And I will tell anyone now, like even when I interview someone that desires to be on my team, that this is not a gig. 
because a gig means that you're not going to take time to comprehend and understand the full core foundation of the mission of the Burris Legal Group. A gig means that you're going to be in and out, see you later, not going to understand client services. If the, we close our doors at 530 and someone calls at 529, a gigger is going to run out the door because they do not care about serving that particular client. I do not hire giggers. And so I believe that it's becoming a gig economy based on what the media is now presenting. And I agree, people have many talents and giftings and things like that. But, you know, you as a gigger, even as a gigger, you have to understand that when challenges arise, you may not necessarily be as sustainable during these times because as giggers, they don't necessarily go through the process and making sure they have the accountant, you know, the, the CPA accountant, the um financial planner around them because they're not actually building the business and the foundation of the business. They're actually just gigging and just doing numerous things that bring in money, but do not build the core foundation to make them sustainable during the crisis or the challenges. Right. And um, I just felt like you socked me in the stomach <laughs> when you said you know, thinking that people are going to think like you and be like you. And I still struggle with that as a business owner mm-hmm. myself today after being in business <laughs> almost 20 years later. Um, and my dad would always tell me, Erica, if they thought like you, did, they would be That's in their right. own That's business. That's exactly right. <laughs> so it was like That's when you said awakening. what you would tell your first year self, I'm like, man, and I still can't wrap my mind around this right. concept, even though I know uh-huh. I need And sometimes to. what you'll find also is sometimes people will try to go duplicate um, what you have built. I have always been a strong believer in helping the next person, helping the next lawyer. You know, if it's a lawyer that wants to start his or her own business, I'll give them all my forms. I'll give them all my templates. I will coach them through the process. But the bottom line is the two of you have two different visions. That lawyer may be opening up their office for a different vision that you actually have. And so, you know, they can have your template. They can have your form. They can have your format. They can even have your business plan, but they're not you. So what draws and attracts clients to you is what you do best. And everybody's going to do it totally different. Everybody's vision vision is going to be totally different. Everybody's mission is going to be totally different. And the objective is going to be totally different. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you know, you look at think about competition and we're all running in the same lane or all running in different lanes. You know, you look to the right. It doesn't matter if Joe Smith has your business plan. He has your template. He has your form because his vision is different. You know, you're, you're going to go at different rates. You're going to run at different rates. One is going to run faster. One is going to run slower. One may catch up. But the key to a successful business owner is to keep your eyes on your vision and objective. And again, those who are running behind you, who are the people that you're building up to help you, um, you know, hold your wings up and carrying out the mission and objective. You can't expect everybody. Number one, they will never see the way you see it. And they will never see the vision the way you see it. And you can't expect them to be like you. As much as we desire to, that was my challenge, to realize everybody's not going to be like me. Everybody's not going to perceive like me. Everybody's not going to drive like me. So I may as well, you know, may as well just, just give up that, you know, desiring to equip, desiring to empower. And I've also, you know, I've wanted to empower people to, 
you know, want more to be a community leader, to be a servant leader, but they're not that they're not me. That's who I am. And I can't expect to put a DNA in someone who just doesn't have it in them. It, it depends on what they're made of, depends on what their DNA is. I could read the law all day and teach all day. I could talk all day. That's just what I enjoy doing, you know? And so usually when it comes to educating, you know, a client, you know, I, I tell my paralegals, if I'm ever educating a client, I tell them to come in the room and listen because I need you to know because it is about education. And if you can't educate and train and equip and under, help your clients and your staff to understand, then you somewhat fail because they're, they're not comprehending. They're not comprehending. And they do need to be able to comprehend in order to make the best decisions. That's in life. This has been awesome. I mean, so many points that you've hit on today has just made me reflect mm -hmm. and, you know, want to go and implement new things in my mm -hmm. own business. And I really thank you for taking the time out of your busy mm -hmm. schedule to talk Absolutely. with us today. And um, if someone, are you open to... And I know you talk about mentoring mm -hmm. and training. Are you open to more paralegals, mm -hmm. more lawyers mm -hmm. coming to work? I am you? definitely open to more lawyers who actually desire to practice law. Again, I'm not open to giggers. I'm not open to someone just going through the process and processing and having the title and uh, clucking like a duck. I desire people who enjoy practicing law. I've been practicing law since 2003. And I tell people I still love it. And I don't know how many lawyers can tell you that they enjoy practicing law. I enjoy practicing law. I enjoy being in the courtroom. I enjoy negotiating. I enjoy sitting in mediation. I enjoy serving clients. I enjoy advising clients as to the best solutions. And so, again, my challenge goes back to wanting somebody to enjoy. So I am definitely open to attorneys who desire to practice law, even after they've gone through the process of taking the bar and passed the bar. And, um, you know, who has some experience because, of course, you can always learn. Going into private practice, I did not know. I was a former prosecutor, so I understood how to understand the black and white letter of the law. And so if you can understand, comprehend the black and white letter of the law. In law school, I was taught what we call elements, elements. And so I've always been able to build on the elements and the analysis of it. And then now, even, you know, in my further studies of the law, I've gotten into over the last probably eight or nine years, legislative intent. And so um, I am definitely open, yes, to more attorneys and yes, to more paralegals. But paralegals, we used to have, I know that in our profession, we used to have paralegals who really enjoy being paralegals. They did not desire to be an attorney, but they definitely wanted to be that attorney's right hand and wanted to educate themselves on the different areas of the law and the process and the systems and things like that. Because everything's about systems. You know, making sure you have the right systems in place. You know, when you from the time that the client calls you, from the time that you do a consultation with the client to the time that the client's case is over, there's a system. And so I am interested in paralegals who understand systems and who desire to work in a law firm that is looking to continue to grow and to expand. Okay, and so if they were looking for that opportunity, how do they reach you I can, or um send in their sure, resume I can or give you um my phone number 
800-800-0100. That is the Burris Legal Group. We're located 204 Johnston Street, Rock Hill, South Carolina, 29730. Or you may mail your resume to P.O. Box 10311, Rock Hill, South Carolina, 29731. Or you may email your resume to our office manager, CEO, Arius Alcid. It is A-R-I-E-U-S at the T-H-E-B-U-R-R-I-S-L-E-G-A-L-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Or you may email your resume to Twana, T-W-A-N-A dot B-U-R-R-I-S at the T-H-E Burris, B-U-R-R-I-S legal l-e-g-a-l g-r-o-u-p dot com or last to paralegal p-a-r-a-l-e-g-a-l at the burris legal group dot com thank you again and i really appreciate it you too thank you for having me thank you